0: Today's episode is brought to you by Yoga, offering over 50 classes a week between their two studios in downtown Syracuse and Dewitt, New York. There are opportunities throughout every day to find your center and allow your mind to turn inward and examine the abilities of your body. Yoga offers all levels of classes from beginner workshops to hot and sweaty vinyasa flow classes. Come find the right class for you by signing up for the two-week New Student Unlimited Membership for $25 and take as many classes as your heart desires. Our world is a truly amazing place. It is full of wonder, beauty, and amazing people, most of which we will never see. I am Tyler, and along with my wife Tiffany, we are OM Travelers. Our goal is to see the world, create amazing experiences in our life, and meet as many inspirational people out chasing their dreams as we can. This show is my opportunity to bring their stories to you so we can all share in the lives, inspiration, and awesomeness that we seldom hear about and those around us. Please join us here and at Ohm Travelers on Instagram and be a part of our journey. Namaste. tuonen in was the exact reason i'd wanted to start the podcast my goal on this is to share with as many people as i can the stories of people shrugging off the normal day-to-day that our parents say we have to do in following their heart to create a better life for themselves or those around them Inka is from finland born and raised she is what you envision blonde hair fair skin and blue or green eyes according to her that's the norm that everybody seems to fall into her story becomes very different from the norm after losing a job she loved while living in China. Her story takes her to Bali, Peru, back home to Finland, Guatemala, and finally to Blue OSA in Costa Rica where we met her. The first night we arrived at Blue OSA, we were welcomed around a huge table and treated like family. Hearing the stories of where people were from and where they were going was awesome. Inca kindly agreed to sit down with me and share her story. I hope you enjoy. I'm here today in Costa Rica with Inca Tuonen to hear her story about what brought her to Costa Rica and what led her from her career path, which she thought from the start was the way she was supposed to go to traveling the world and spreading the good of yoga and happiness. So welcome to the podcast, Inca.
1: Gracias.
0: Um, Describe the place where we are.
1: Uh, We're sitting here um, by the beautiful Pacific Ocean, at the bay of Golfo Dulce, seeing how the waves are crashing into the shore at Blue Osa, which I call my sanctuary. So this is my third Christmas or New Year in a row in this beautiful Yogi resort. And uh, it's a magical place where the rainforest meets the ocean.
0: And when you come here the last few years, what have you been doing while you've been here?
1: I've been volunteering for the first time. So first time I came here to volunteer as a blogger and a yoga teacher. And then the past uh, two years I've come here with my own retreat. And then this year I ended up being here as a volunteer yoga teacher as a, as a continuity for my yoga retreat as
0: well. So when, when was your yoga retreat here at the resort?
1: I've done two Christmases
0: in a row. Okay, and how long does your retreat go for?
1: It's uh, seven days and, uh, yeah, seven days retreat.
0: Now, as a volunteer, when you come here, um, what does what your role entail? Just teaching yoga or does it go beyond So that?
1: the first time I came here, I was writing a blog. So I wrote three blogs per week, and then uh, I was teaching yoga at the same time. And then now that I was here... For the three weeks, uh, this was a special play- case because one of the volunteers just bailed out on last minute and they needed someone to fill in and I said, sure, my schedule is flexible and I can stay and teach.
0: Oh, that's So incredible. I was just
1: teaching here uh, around three classes per day.
0: Wow, that's not so bad.
1: Not so bad, no. <laughs> no.
0: So um, tell us kind of where you're from and give us a little bit of the background on what led you to teaching yoga, living now in basically like Central America, more or less. And then we'll go from there. So start kind of from the beginning.
1: Okay. So I consider myself being from the universe. Um, I was born in Finland, and that's what my passport still says. Um, So I was born and raised there by the Russian border. And uh, normal Finnish life, mom and dad, sister, went to school bachelor's studies in marketing then university studies in marketing uh, master's thesis in corporate social responsibility in global mining industry which is not that normal <laughs> so I ended up very early on working in a marketing job in mining and uh, that job took me in various marketing positions and in communication positions in around the world organizing events and uh, and and uh, creating collateral and material for the company. And I loved my job. And, uh, yeah, I did that for more than 11 years. And eventually it took me to China, where uh, all this transition for yoga started to take place as well.
0: Now, what was it like growing up in Finland for, I mean, uh, most listeners are from the Northeast and probably many have never traveled to Finland, or many probably don't even know where on the map they would mm-hmm. find Finland. So, describe what it was like and what your childhood was like. And
1: Yeah, so Finland is between Russia and Sweden, and I live five kilometers away from the Russian border. And it's probably one of the safest places in the world. Well, Puerto Jimenez, where we're here, is probably another one. Um, but very safe... Uh, I would say small. We're so, we're only 5.3 million people in the whole country. Very original and unique. Um, we say that we're not Russians and uh, we're not Swedes either. So we're very unique in our own language and our own culture. Finnish people are hardworking. Uh, always want to achieve and perform. Uh, and also family-oriented and... Uh, Yeah. Work is highly in the moral ranking, so you need to have a good job and and perform well in that.
0: What was your family like growing up?
1: Um, Safe. Uh, Mom and dad both working. Sister, three years older. We got to choose what we wanted to study in our lives. So there was not... Of course, my dad wanted me to be an engineer as as he's been too, but he realized that that's not for my brain, but I ended up doing marketing with engineers, so I think that's close enough. Um, Yeah, we traveled a lot when I was a kid. Uh, I left to States when I was 17 to be an exchange student to live with a Mexican family in Nebraska. So I think that was one of the points where things started to shift for me as well, that I realized that there was... Uh, different kinds of uh, people and cultures and, and way of living outside from Finland. Because even though when you travel, it's still tourism, but when you actually go and live with someone, you start to see the variety of cultures and, and people. So I think that was that was a big change
0: for me. What prompted you to want to do this exchange program? And, well, answer that and then I guess follow it up with, did you have any control over where you were assigned to go
1: Yeah, so there was exchange students in, the, in high school And I thought that was very cool And they were basically from US and um, Argentina and Brazil And yeah, I kind of just got interested in that And so I applied through Rotary and they sent me to Nebraska, I had no control over. I really wanted to go somewhere cool, like Florida or California, but they put me to Nebraska, and I was ever grateful for that, because it was a small place, just as where I was from, and the most beautiful, amazing people, and I'm still in contact with them, so.
0: What led the the Mexican family that you live with? How did they end up in Nebraska? Do you recall that?
1: Yeah, so the grandparents of the family had moved in the nineteen forties to do corn harvesting, okay. and that's how they ended up there.
0: Okay, and they still do. Uh...
1: They were still they still had the farm and uh, and the family. They had seven children, and the father was cowboy and huh. and. Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a beautiful family, and uh, I had one sister that was one year older, and one sister that was one year younger than me. So I perfectly fit into the family.
0: Did you have to do any like work on the farm while you were there? Like, what no. was just, so basically, school and... just
1: school? Yeah.
0: And your in relation to your um, city or town in Finland that you grew up in, how did this town in Nebraska compare, like size-wise and? people, culture, like...
1: Uh, so I come from a very small town, but this one was like five times smaller. So <laughs> it was interesting contrast in that. Also because in Finland, everybody looks like more or less like me, blonde and blue or green eyes. And then when you go to the US, there is a mixture of different cultures. And that was an eye-opening oh. to me that, no, it's like people have like, everybody say like, I'm 5% this and 20% that. And then I have... of of this and that blood. I was like, no, I'm 100% of Finn. So that was an interesting uh, cultural experience in that
0: sense. Did your parents come over at all while you were in the United States?
1: Uh, No, this was in the 90s, and the world was bigger at that time. So the plane tickets were more expensive. We just started to use uh, email at that time. Uh, I did once a month a collect call home, and uh, yeah... So it was, it was not an option that I would come home during the year. Like you go there and then you come
0: back after a year. And it was, oh, so you were in Nebraska for almost a year. Yeah. And was that your first time away from home?
1: It was for a long time. Yeah. My cousin lives in Germany, so I spent summers with her, but not for a, that long time.
0: What was it like being away from home for that long?
1: Uh, challenging. Definitely. Because you're in a different culture. You don't know anyone. Nobody knows your manners and your habits and you're, communicating with a different language with a different uh way you don't have your security network if you feel grumpy you can't feel grumpy because you need to be happy and joyful because you're trying to bond with these new people sure. so it was challenging it was definitely challenging for the first three months and uh, yeah but after that it kind of started to roll and i had the most amazing family that i lived with
0: and what was it like when you got home was there a tough um, adjusting back to life in Finland
1: definitely and uh, because I had evolved so much in a year whereas I would see that many of my friends were still in the same and I think that has just kept me evolving as well that you know the push was so big that it moved with someone else and then it was interesting I had this conversation 16 years later with my host sister and she shared with me that I changed her life oh wow that when I entered the town she could understand that there is life outside of the little town sure and she could be whatever she wanted to be and not to be fitting into that mold and I was like whoa and I did that and yeah. and you know you waited 16 years to yeah. share
0: this information. do you know where she is now
1: yeah I, I met her two years ago they're living in Texas now oh cool
0: yeah the whole family
1: most of the family. Oh yeah. wow,
0: that's really neat. Yeah. So when you got back um, to Finland, was it basically time for you to go to university? And... Yeah.
1: So then after that, I had one more year um, at high school, and then after that, I applied for a bachelor's studies. And, uh, and was I, that in Finland? That was in Finland, where I did though. I did a six months uh, work internship in Latvia, in Riga, in a mm. paper industry. Wow. And uh, what
0: was Latvia like?
1: Uh, this was before Latvia was in EU. okay, so it was it was still very different. It had lots of Soviet time um, baggage around it. Yeah. but uh, yeah, I like the people uh, culturally very different and challenging as well. Mm. Uh, did not speak Latvian, so I had to manage my way with the Russian while being there. and uh, yeah, definitely another interesting uh, chapter in my life. <laughs>
0: And then from when you finished your like, initial university studies?
1: Yeah, so then I went to work. I worked for a few years in a polytechnic, um, which is sort of like a university of applied sciences. And I was recruiting teachers and students for them from uh, different parts from the world. So I was doing teacher recruiting from China, uh, Denmark... Germany, and that took me traveling as well. And then that was a project that lasted for a few years. And then after that, I searched for another job and there was a marketing assistant opening and I applied for that and it ended up being in the mining industry.
0: And that's where you stayed for about a decade. Yeah. It seems like the European culture, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is that there's more traveling that goes on and there's less concern about trying to find a job or create your life within your own country is that true or is that just the way it appears from the outside
1: could be both uh i think people are traveling a lot and uh it's probably easier because if you are um already studying different languages and different cultures it's more natural to go somewhere to study abroad and it's really encouraged uh, for students to do that and I think also trusting that that whatever comes we don't have debt from our studies because university is free Mm -hmm. or you pay 100, 100 euros for a tuition fee for a year Wow! so basically you don't have that baggage or that you need to get a a well-paid job right away it's okay you know you can wonder
0: yeah wow that's crazy so you get the marketing job in the mining industry yeah. you don't know much about mining no so describe your like what prompted you to apply for this job and then what was it like being in that industry because you were in it for a very long yeah. time
1: yeah so basically you need to learn everything by heart and accept that fact that you don't know anything and just surrender to that and continuously develop and learn. Um, and also it's very masculine energy and masculine industry. So also to surrender to that, it's a big thing. Um, yeah, but I like the challenge. Um, yeah, and I, I really love my job. So I did various different marketing jobs from uh, marketing assistant um to product specialist, uh, marketing communications uh, uh, coordinator, uh, product manager. And then at the end, I told my boss that uh, there are several organizational changes. And I
0: told my boss that I need something
1: that if you will not give me something new now, I will quit. And uh, I ended up going to China.
0: And was this a big company you were working for at the time?
1: So the the company that I started was around 500 people, and then that got acquired by a bigger company, which was around 5,000 people. So with the bigger company, um, they sent me to China.
0: Okay, and how did you like China? Because that's a very different, very different culture from both Finland, probably Latvia, and I, I can tell you from the United States. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I had studied Chinese culture and language at university because I thought it was interesting and fun. Uh, Russia was my major in languages, so um, so I just took it for fun. I did not never think that I would end up being in China or living there. So I had some background information, um, and while I was working at the Polytechnic, so I did recruiting of the Chinese teachers so I'd been in China before. Uh, but yeah, it's, Shanghai is an amazing city with 25 million people, it never sleeps, it's safe, it's such of an exotic place, but working with Chinese is challenging because the only value that they have is money, so you can't really trust anything. So my team, so I was heading the Asia-Pacific region and, and marketing for them, so I was responsible for everything from India to East so i have my subordinates, it so i have my team in india australia and in china and that's how i was running it from shanghai
0: did you have to do much traveling from china or were you
1: yeah so i was uh, visiting india and uh, and australia uh, frequently and then plus all the other regions that we had so the philippines and uh, and other countries around that so
0: now up until this point what had been your connection with yoga which is now your life
1: yeah so when I was still living in Finland before moving to China I went yoga classes, it was a community yoga class and I hated it it was so boring uh, I I felt like I really had to stop the practice before Shavasana because I had to pee the classes were held at the like a Elementary school cafeteria floors, so it was cold, and there was like potato in your hair. And... and this
0: was in China,
1: no, this was in Finland. In
0: Finland, okay.
1: And uh, yeah, but I kept going to the classes because I knew for some reason I should go and it would be good for me, but I hated it, it was like the most boring thing ever. And then the day that I moved to China, uh, I was living in this really, really nice building, and it had a gym and uh, like a fitness studio in there. And I went running because I'm a runner. So I went running to the gym on a treadmill and there was a yoga class starting and I thought, okay, I'll go and check it out. Just, you know, check my box, been there, done that, hated it, it sucked, uh, don't never need to go again. That was my attitude, how I entered the yoga class. And I loved it. I just loved the teacher. He was an American teacher who'd been living in China for like 16 years and teaching yoga. And he was the first one who could actually bring in the physical aspect of the yoga plus with the spirituality in a way that it resonated with me and something that I could have something to take with me after the class. And I started going to his classes three times a week.
0: So that was pretty life-changing for you? That
1: was really life-changing and that really helped me in my work because my work as a head of marketing for the Asia-Pacific region for this company was really intense So I was working weekends and holidays and uh, I loved it, but it was still intense. So I think with yoga, I always had three hours of yoga before my Wednesdays uh, evening meeting to U.S., so I, I'm already thinking that they're getting a wrong picture out of me. Like, where has all the fire come out of Inca? Because I was so chilled and relaxed after three hours of yoga. So I didn't even bother of yelling at anyone at the phone meetings. But yeah, so that was like my Wednesday uh, trill is to go three hours of yoga and then into an evening meeting at 10 p.m.
0: That's incredible. So how long did you practice yoga and what types of yoga before you took your teacher training?
1: Yeah, so then what happened is that I was working for this uh, company in China and uh, then just before Christmas, uh, four years ago, they told me that we really don't need you anymore and you're resigned. And uh, so, yeah, from having this amazing position, an amazing apartment and life in China, I fall down into nothing. That's how it felt. And all the dedication that I come for the company was just like gone. And luckily I had booked a yoga retreat to go uh, with my husband uh, for Bali during that Christmas. So we go Bali and uh, there I had this realization that wow, what if this could be my life? That What if I could just live like this and just practice yoga and go deeper into this? and after the retreat we go back to China because the company still had to pay my living and salary for four months but I didn't have to work so back in Shanghai I contacted my teacher and asked what do you think, what if I would go for a teacher training do you think I could do that and he said absolutely, go for it and I applied for a yoga teacher training in Shanghai where I did my 200 hours and uh, before that my style was very much of so it was Ashtanga-based power yoga that he was teaching uh and then the teacher training was a mixture of hatha and ashtanga uh, with some uh, flavor of yin
0: now was he the one leading the teacher training? no he was
1: not he was a different teacher so in my teacher training we had teachers from spain china and from india
0: oh wow yeah so what part did the teachers each teach a different yeah so
1: they had a different parts um uh, of, of of their teachings and yeah, it was a nice mixture and also our group was from uh, from China, Belgium, France, US, Mexico, and me from Finland.
0: Wow, that's incredible. so it was yeah. such a broad group of people yeah. all in China.
1: all in Shanghai. Yes. And was
0: this done like in a like a three or four week period or uh, was it broken up?
1: It was longer periods. actually, I took two courses at the same time. so I was taking a course with all Chinese students. Wow. Which was on weekends. And then I was taking this more intensive course, which was, I think, for two and a half months, for five days a week, um, five hours per day.
0: What part of the teacher training resonated with you most?
1: Um, it was very alignment based. So in, in China, it's very strict. And so I think the alignment based and, you know, having everything, all the asanas correct, was at that point. The thing that resonated. But there is no spirituality, which I then later on learned that I was missing and lacking a lot in my practice and in my um, in my teaching as well. And then when I applied, for, I looked for my 300 hours. I wanted to make sure that it was very spiritually oriented yoga that I applied for.
0: Where did the spirituality part of it creep in for you? So after your teacher training, but like where were you and what... How did it land in your lap?
1: I think it started when... Yeah, I returned... So, I did my 200 hours in China, and my intention was never to teach. However, uh, my teacher, a Spanish teacher, she was saying that you will not waste this gift uh, by just keeping it to yourself, that you need to teach. And uh, so, the day after I got my certificate, the next day I was teaching my first class, which was a hot yoga class (laughs) in in a studio and I had never taught hot yoga class before. And uh, so I taught like around for a few months in Shanghai in different studios, different types of yoga classes. And then I moved back to Finland because living in Shanghai is so expensive. So it was not possible for me to support uh, my husband and I living in China by teaching yoga. And my visa was for mining industry. So I could not prolong with that either. So we moved back to Finland. But I couldn't really root down. I couldn't really find my space in Finland. I couldn't really find any marketing jobs either. So I just thought, whatever, uh, I'll give up on the whole thing. And I'll, I'll look for a yoga trade position. So I searched for yoga trade and I found Blue Osa. And I applied for the job and I got it here as a blogger. And as soon as I made that decision, I bought myself a plane ticket to come here. There was a Finnish company in the mining industry from the same owner that I had started 10 years ago asked me if I would need a marketing job. And I said, sure, but I'm going to go to this yoga work in Costa Rica and I can't really start, so sorry. And then he said, well, um, I'll wait for you for four or five months until you come back. I really want you. So that's how I set off on my journey for three and a half months in Latin America Uh, blogging and teaching and I think this was the transition where I started to dig deeper into my practice That what I want from it and where I want to move with my yoga and that's where I started to lack more from the spirituality. And I remember I was in a yoga retreat in Panama and I came out of Savasana with tears and just being grateful for my old boss's boss for firing me and giving me this opportunity Because I would never left the company. But now I was given this new chance to find my life again. And I think that was the path that had showed me to to start finding yoga in a different way.
0: Because had you not been fired, I mean, that job you loved. And that's something that you would have just stayed in.
1: Definitely. And
0: never realized what other things there could be. Because in your mind, and from, you know, you always need to have a, a real career... That's what you felt like you needed to do.
1: And coming from that background of culture that you always perform and you strive and everything is measured with your title and all that. And I, you know, that was my passion. Yes. So I'd never realized that until they, if they would not fired me. So I'm ever grateful for that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how some things happen. So you worked for the company back in Finland again?
1: Yeah, so then after my three and a half months of of, uh, uh, traveling in Latin America and, and volunteering Blue Osa, I went back to Finland and I started working for the company. And it was supposed to be an easy maternity leave substitute position, but no, they made me the head of the marketing for the whole company.
0: Which is a big deal.
1: Which was a big deal, and it was my dream job. Something that I always wanted to be, like, this is what I want. And uh, and I started a great team, uh, traveling the world again, uh, going to South Africa and going to the um, U.S. for the world's largest mining exhibitions to Las Vegas and doing product launches, going to China. And I was back in that again until... Um, I had booked myself to go on my 300-hour teacher training in Peru. And I told my boss when I started that, by the way, I'm going to go for one month away, no matter what my position says. And then, by the way, I'm going to do a yoga retreat in Costa Rica for the Christmas. So luckily, they uh, appreciate holidays in Finland. So I I managed to weave that into into my job. But then the yoga started to take bigger role. So I started teaching at the local studio. Um, which was something that also gave me balance in life. So I did not slip into that corporate role that much. Because I knew that there was something more fulfilling in my life.
0: Could you, at some point when you went back to feelings... Like, were you getting pulled back in? Or I was. was. You were. Yeah. And then you just at some point realized, like, no... Like this is, yeah. The money is great, but this is not where I want to be.
1: Exactly. And the weekly yoga classes, there is such of a difference. You go to office and people appreciate your work in different ways. Uh, but when you go and teach yoga, people come and hug you after class. Like, you know, you, you know yeah. thank you. You changed my life. Or, you know, I was struggling with this and, you know, I feel so much better. It's like, really, if I can just change one person's attitude or make them feel good about themselves by holding space... You know, I'd much rather do this than earn any money.
0: You so you booked your, you had your three hundred hour teacher training lined up. Where was that?
1: This was in Peru, and this was a shamanic yoga teacher training. There uh, was lots of spirituality, and I felt so called to go to Peru and go with this school. And the leader of the three hundred hours, he's from Himalayas, from Tibet, and he's the uh, owner of the school. And then after the teacher training of the 300 hours he said that well i also have a facilitator program would you be interested in that and so we kept uh, emailing and then when i came back to costa rica to host my first christmas retreat i thought okay i'm right next to guatemala where the teacher has his farm maybe i'll go and see him and talk to him about the facilitator training And at that point, I had felt like the corporate job started to feel like a tightening leash around my neck, getting tighter and tighter. And when I went to Guatemala, they offered me this, a a facilitator role in February, and this was now in January. (laughs) They offered me this in, uh, in the next month's time in Costa Rica. And without thinking at all, out of intuition, I wrote my boss an email. And I thought, okay, well, I can't even send that because I'm here at the farm, there's no Wi-Fi and it takes 30 minutes to get by boat to the city. And then all of a sudden my friend comes to me and says, well, I'm going to the city with the boat. Do you want to come? So I pack my iPad and next thing I know, I'm sitting in an internet cafe and pressing send to my boss. And then I'll go back to the farm and wait for another four days to get... Like, I wonder what he answered because there was no Wi-Fi. So his answer to me was like, you know let's not make any jump conclusions we still have time you know think about it you don't you know it's okay and I go back and I stay in Finland for 12 days and I said I'm done I quit
0: 12 days after your teacher
1: training after 12 days after I was hosting here in Costa Rica the retreat and going to Guatemala to send out the resignation letter and uh, yeah so I ended up quitting I still work for the company as a consultant um Obviously, they had to find someone to fill that position. And, uh, but I left 12 days after to go to Costa Rica to to start facilitate facilitator training. And how
0: long ago was that?
1: This was uh, last February, so almost a year ago.
0: Wow. And what's, so what's your life been like in the last year?
1: A crazy turbulence. So then in February, I January I resigned. February I went to do a facilitator teacher training. And then in March, uh, they found me a replacer at the work. And then I totally, in April, I just surrendered from all. In June, I was in Peru teaching my first 200 hours teacher training.
0: What was that like?
1: Amazing. Giving a birth to 18 new yoga teachers. Yeah. Uh, and I was together holding space with the, the principal of the school, the owner of the school, so I got to learn from the best. And then I stayed in Peru for. Uh, July to facilitate uh, a co-facilitate and shadow for a 300-hour teacher training, and from there I went back to Finland. And uh, my husband told me that he's done being alone, and uh, we, fly, uh, we uh, filed for divorce, sold house, sold car, um, packed up my life into boxes that are now in my mom's basement. Um, I graduated into a new profession, so I'm also now a personal trainer, I stopped doing my consultation work for the mining company, or the mining industry company, and I started my own business, and uh, I also changed my running shoe brand, so... And my colleague was joking that yeah, from the any other you can recover, but if you get a bad knee injury from your running shoes, that's for that's life. A very so big I think deal. Yeah. so. I think from the others I can recover, but yeah, I've done quite few big changes, uh, and this was all between August and October.
0: That's incredible. And how do you feel like without the stability of knowing that you're going to get a paycheck every week or every two weeks? So how how has that been?
1: So, yeah, coming from a background where I've done 2020 strategies, like, you know, I've known, I've been, I will be in Frankfurt on June 8th on 2020, that I would book myself on these, like, exhibitions, so my calendar would be filled already for four years in advance. So it feels crazy, and it feels incredible at the same time. At the same time, I feel uh, lost and found. (laughs) I feel... Uh, that I've gone crazy and I feel like I found myself it's the balance of both and feeling scared and not at all at the same time
0: that's incredible so what do you think um, what, what's coming next
1: um, so yeah I'm a planner so I have I did um, my 200 hour teacher training in Guatemala before coming here in, in Costa Rica so I've been now here in Costa Rica for a bit more than a month I hosted a retreat here and worked here as a volunteer and I had such of a huge anxiety that what's going to happen in January? I don't have anything planned for me in January and then all of a sudden I'm volunteering here and now I'm bidding for a big branding project for an engineering company in Finland. So apparently I just need to surrender and the universe will tell me what's going on and not worry and fight. And just flow with it. And next month I'm teaching uh, 200 hours in Guatemala. In April I'm back in Guatemala teaching. Um, and in June I'm in Peru. And July I'm back here in Costa Rica. So I have trainings booked. And then I'm doing my marketing work at the same time. So life is sweet.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, it's an incredible story. And one that it's where you're kind of you keep coming back to the surrender
1: that's and definitely. just not
0: try to not try to steer the ship in the direction you always think it needs to go but pay more attention to what's happening around you
1: yeah and i i believe that if we my dharma in this life is to share love and light through yoga and i believe that when i'm aligned with my dharma when i'm sharing my gift of teaching and holding space for people to discover whatever it is that they need to discover, that's where I'm aligned with my highest excitement. And if people don't align themselves with their highest excitement, that will manifest into illness into their body. So do the things that you want to do, don't wait. Like don't wait until, you know, when I retire or when I have this or that, or when I, you know, paid my mortgage or
0: just do. Be. Follow your heart.
1: Exactly. Be brave. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, there is something else. There is a lesson to be learned from that. And that's what we're here for. We're here to learn. I think we're so worried of making mistakes and, and ruining our image that we have built for ourselves. Surrendering and letting go of that. Who do I think I am? That's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, well, I think when in the class that we took with you the other day, which was incredible, you're a beautiful teacher. Thank you. Um, when we went into Camel Pose and we're opening our chest to the sky, you know, you said you here's your chance to decide today how you're going to paint the sky, hmm. and are you going to paint it pink and beautiful and bright and sunny for yourself and those around you, or are you going to paint it gray or black? And yeah. you know, we have those chances in our yoga practice and our workouts and our waking up whatever it may be to make that decision on what our effect on the world is going to be on any given day and i think your attitude of just paint it beautiful is something that we all should take with us so so where can people find more about you
1: yeah so inca flows is my website so www.incaflows.com and yeah there is all my business so my business in marketing my business in personal training and
0: my yoga are there any do you do like Instagram or
1: Facebook yeah I do uh, Facebook and Instagram so I do one on in you can find me on Instagram and uh, I have a blog that I write also links are from my website so you can follow there and Next Christmas, I'm back here in Blue Osa, so if you want to retreat with me here, you're more than welcome to.
0: All right, beautiful. I'll make sure that I put all of the information up um, when I post the podcast. Thank you so much. I can't wait to share your story with everybody, and best of luck.
1: Thank you. Gracias.
0: Today's episode was produced by me, Tyler Cagwin. The background music was provided by Soul Rising. Find him on iTunes, Spotify, or basically anywhere you listen to music. www.soulrising.com and at soulrising on Instagram. Make sure to visit our website, www.omtravelers.com in the podcast section for today's show notes and links to the places and things that Inca discussed in the episode www.omtravelers.com. Namaste. Damaste.